You are now listening to the Socks and Sandals Podcast. Peace and blessings, y'all. First things first, before we get into this episode, I got some great news to share with you, all right? You ready? Okay. Culturally relevant professional development exists. You understand what I'm saying? It exists because I created it. I created an eight-week cohort-based course called Know Your Enemy, The Evolution of Racism. Now, this isn't your run-of-the-mill diversity stuff, your watered-down, cookie-cutter, BS corporate stuff. Look, it's 2021. We are living in the age of Dante Wright. We are living in the age of George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor. We are living in the age where we can no longer pussyfoot around the topic of racism and producing real justice and real change in these corporate environments. I'm talking about thorough, uninhibited, fundamental, foundational knowledge of what racism is and how it works. If you know your enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the result of 100 battles. If you know yourself but not the enemy, for every victory gained, you will also suffer a defeat. And if you know neither yourself nor your enemy, you will succumb in every battle. We do not know our enemy. We try to solve problems about race, but we don't even know what racism is. We don't know when it started. We don't know how it evolved. We don't know the certain things that have happened in the past that are still tied directly to the, to the present day and what we're going through. This is not a coincidence. What we're facing in America, it's not a coincidence. What we're facing in our workplaces, it's not a coincidence because we've ignored the problem and we don't have a thorough understanding. If this appeals to you, if this is something that you want to get enrolled in, email me, ypdevelopment2030 at gmail.com. I will see you May the 12th. Grace and peace. Back to the Socks and Sandals podcast, where society, culture, history, and religion collide, and we unapologetically discuss our worldviews. It's your guy Emmanuel. I'm back in the building, whipping it up, and I have a very special guest with me. I have my brother, brother Hannibal Muhammad. Bro, welcome to the show. Man, I appreciate it, Chief. Man, thank you for the invite, bro. Thank no you, doubt, man. No doubt, man. I'm so glad to have you, bro. I, I brought you on. I've seen you doing your thing. You have a book out. Um, and we're going to get into that. Most of the show is going to be predicated towards, you know, what's in your book and the process of you writing it and putting it together and all that, brother. But first things first, tell us a little bit more about who you are, where you're from, and what's a typical day in the life of Brother Hannibal Muhammad. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks. That's a, that's a beautiful question. Like I said, my name is Hannibal Muhammad. I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona. I, went to, I met my brother Emmanuel at Texas Southern University in Houston, Texas. I am a husband. I am a father, I'm a son, I'm a brother, um, hard worker. I actually come from over 10 years of banking experience, also run group homes for my family. Uh, I'm a designer, photographer. Many of my photos have been in many publications, billboards, um, social media, which is normal nowadays, um, commercials. I'm also now a new author, which I'm humble and excited about that piece. Uh, my day-to-day is getting up, making sure my family's taken care of, working at the group home, making sure my boys are taken care of, they're helping them to develop, getting to where they need to go in life. I'm just trying to be a good example for them. Um, cooking, you know, I do some cleaning, making sure my wife is taken care of, trying to keep balance 
in in that oasis, you know, happy wife, happy life, mm. shoot, happy happy children, you could keep on living. So just making sure those those different things is going on. So yeah, man, you know, just different things like that. My day to day is just making sure things are going good. Checking in with my mother who owns the group home um, as we're looking to expand and open up some more this year, which has really been a big move for us. So yes, sir. Man, that's beautiful, bro. Family first, family business. I love it. Oh, and I forgot. And I am a student assistant minister here in Phoenix under the leadership of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan in the Nation of Islam. So, yes. Of course. Busy. Last, Busy, last man. Last but not least. Last but not least, my brother. That's yes, sir. That's dope, man. So, uh, I, I, gotta, I gotta ask, man, because me being from Portland, Oregon, from one of the whitest cities in America, I know Max. that, I, know that no I chose <laughs> no cap at all. Like, I chose Texas Southern for a very specific reason, right? And so, um, <laughs> You know, I, I went on a few, I went on a little college tour of my own. My dad, you know, it was a gift that, that he gave to me in my senior year. So I wanted to go visit Southern California and Arizona school. So I would have been in your neck of the woods, right? So I, yes. I, visited, I visited San Diego State. I visited U of A and ASU. I was leaning towards being a Sun Devil. I was about to go to ASU. But then TSU, Texas Southern in Houston, and they were looking at me a little bit. I met the coach. He was like, yo, we, we caught on to your, your tape a little bit late in the um, recruiting process. So we've already given out all our scholarships, but I really like you, you know, I like what you offer. So you can walk on and you can definitely earn a scholarship the next year. And I was just like, mm. I don't really know about that. But, you know, but I mean, one day on the Tiger Walk, I was sold. That was it. Like, that's all I needed to see. Black <laughs> Utopia, that's all you need. Beautiful, beautiful women everywhere. I'm just like, oh, I, this is it. I'm going yeah. to so, so tell me, yes. what made you choose Texas Southern coming from Phoenix, Arizona? Man, I'm almost the same thing. Um, I was actually here. I had, I had a three-quarter scholarship for Morehouse. Ooh. But at the, the phase I was at in my life, I was like, Ma, I don't go to no all-boys schools. Now, they let me in a Spelman, then I'll roll. I'm not going to an all-men's school. I'm good on that, Mom. I'm good. I'm good. Um, I thought about that. I thought about Howard. I thought about Duke. Um, had a couple other schools I was considering. I actually had an associate's in animation at the time. I wanted to go into gaming. And one of my boys, he shot out there early. So I'm finishing up my associates out here in Phoenix. He shoots out to Texas Southern because that's part of his legacy and his family. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, a group of us was supposed to go visit him for the Capitol Beach party. Oh, oh. I'm the only one who, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm the only one who shows up and you see all these beautiful women. And I'm like, bro who is that y'all let me go holler at this girl hold on hold on i need it and he's like chill out bro chill out they all he's like don't worry about them they all go to tsu bro they can go to your school don't worry i'll be here in august bro don't even worry about it i'll be here in august next thing i know i was he, he thought i was playing i was there in august not, not the right crazy. reason to be going to a school but hey. the reason i wind up there which impacted my grades because i, I didn't go to school i wasn't going i didn't go to houston for the right reasons I wasn't there for, for education. I was there because it was females and I saw opportunities. And while I was there, I had to play catch up, had a couple of situations with academic probation because I was skipping classes and failing classes. And then, you know, it's a different dynamic when, you know, you have your parents there making sure you're going to school to, I don't have to, I don't have to show up if I don't want to. Mm-hmm. Man, I'm going back to sleep. I'm, man, I'm good. And then you're looking at that time difference. It was a two hour difference. Yeah. So you're talking about I had to get up 
four o'clock in the morning, Phoenix time, and, yeah. and the cafeteria was closing at six. Man, that's still four. I'm like, that's not dinner. That's lunch. Right. So, but yeah, yeah I had an experience and I was on time. I remember, oh, I remember, I remember being on a tiger walk and I believe it's the cap was have the little, the little bitch yep. by their, by their tree. Please now, don't you know, me I, sat on that bench. Please don't Oh, I sat oh. on the bench, bro. <laughs> hey, I don't know any better. I'm frustrated. I'm trying to get my student aids. I'm, I'm going back and forth. They give me the run around, trying oh, to yeah. see what's on my financial aid. Yeah. And I'm, I'm pissed. And I'm yeah. outside and I see, I see somewhere I can sit down at. I sit down at somewhere. I was like, yo, move. You better move. And I'm like, man, I'm chilling. What's wrong with literally like a stop the yard moment, bro? <laughs> so, hey. That's classic. That's, that's classic, classic, bro. bro. So that, yeah. I understood the movie very well when it came out. Like, I get this. This is my life. But, so, but to an but extent, a part, a part of that that I identify with is that frustration of yes. financial aid yes. and going from one building to the next. But I remember oh. that first day. I was I was literally in lines for about eight hours waiting. Yes, for stuff. waiting, and waiting, just, and it yeah. is always late, bro. It was always late. Yes, but I hated that, financial aid. That, that TSU, that that HBCU experience, man, it's probably outstanding. It's outstanding. Yeah. Bro, we had we had Co- College Hill came out while we were in college, you know. So we had real world. Um, um, the other one, College Hill, oh, they started doing the yeah. road rules. They started doing the HBCU tours. We know that happened at TSU while we were there. The shutting down the Tiger Walk. The bro, like this part tripped me out. I remember, I remember when I was first there. There was a party like the first couple of days I was there. It might have been the first night I got there. They threw a party. But it's raining outside. And the party's outside. Yeah. And I'm like, but it's raining outside. Y'all going they're like, bro, we got umbrellas for that. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'm in a, I'm in a, this is weird. I'm not used to that. If, if it rains, we sit in with females. Right. We don't go out, but different dynamic, man. That that was that was my coming. Yeah, that's how I wind up in Houston, bro. Different different world, man. But Houston is different like world, that. man. It's, yes. It's, but I mean, especially because yes. what did you come? You same year as me, right? You graduated high school oh three, oh two, oh two, oh two. Okay, there a little yep. Okay, but the dope part is, if you would have went to ASU, I would have knew you, especially if you played football. Because some of my boys actually was playing at ASU. That's what's up. That's what's so up. we would actually we would have wind up connecting. We would have wind up connecting anyway. Regardless, man. The universe. Regardless. Work. That's, that's yes. That's yes. But yeah, man. I, I remember coming down there, bro. I think the year I because I, I came down oh three. Um, and I think 04 was maybe the last year the Kappa Beach party, if I'm not mistaken. Something or, like or that. Maybe, or maybe they just changed the name to They started changing, yeah, from Kappa to the Galveston Beach party. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But I, yeah. I still went down there my freshman year, bro, blown away. A movie. It was a movie. And it was just like, yes, I, I will never forget it. I got pictures still to this day, like from the disposable camera. I still got them pictures, bro. Like, And, and my wife don't like them pictures. She don't. Yeah. She don't yeah. Like <laughs> yeah yeah we hey, i probably got video yeah Ooh. i probably got video footage somewhere i mean we we end the relationships because of video footage <laughs> so yeah yeah just just understand like i yeah. probably could never run for president uh, of the united states man. bro I, I have stuff out there somewhere man, just, so. just do like do like roger goodell did for the patriots man just destroy the tape just destroy it bro I, try to find okay you gotta find it first you gotta find it before they do <laughs> Oh man, no doubt, man. Well, let's well let's get into you know yes sir what we came here for, man. Um, in my father's steps, your first yes, book. 
yes. tell me about the motivation for the book, um, the process of writing it, bro. How did, how did you come to this point of writing a book and the title, of course? Great, great question. Um, when it comes to this book, this wasn't my initial book. Mm. Um, I have another book that I, that I desire to write, but I'm honest to God, intimidated by it. Wow. Um, for what, you know, how thought provoking it will be. Mm. So me, you know, as, you know, a new, new author, I, I've never written a book before. I don't know the steps and me learning. I said, well, let me, let me take another route first so I can develop myself and learn the process. So that's where this book came in. I started going through different lectures I delivered um, in different cities. I started going through different discussions. I started reflecting on different things, different notes I had. And I started working on putting those things together. And as I was working on this process, you know, I've had different individuals editing and transcribing certain lectures. And I, I mean, I'm nervous. I'm looking like, man, nobody gonna wanna read this. Anybody gonna read this. But when I would get calls from different people who were transcribing and going through the book for me, and they would say, I can't wait for this book to come out. And I'm like, really? And they're like, bro. When I was, I was going through something on this day and I, I ain't like dealing with nobody. I was frustrated. I said, well, let me start working on his, let me start working on transcribing his lecture. And the stuff you were hitting actually hit home and what I was going through. And you brought me out of my funk. And I'm like, oh, come on, don't tell me that. Don't, <laughs> like, man, that's truly a humbling experience. So I started going through that process. And, you know, the book deals with children. It deals with adults. It deals, the, fir the first chapter is, it's time to save our youth. Mm. I come out the gate like, all right, let's focus on here first. Let's talk about the things that are going on and let's address the fact of why the children, why youth go the direction they go and how we as parents, we shoo our children away. We're too busy. We're too bothered. We got so many different things that go on in our life that by the time we get home, I don't have time to entertain you. So we send them off and then we get mad when they learn everything from social media, the internet. They learn from their friends. They learn from their environment that's outside of the home. And then we're trying to figure out, I don't know what went wrong with Billy. I don't mm -hmm. know how Hakeem wind up like that. Well, we have to take fault in that part. So, you know, so it became stuff like that. You know, I have aspects of the book. I have a, a chapter that's titled Family. You know, just us working together and identifying the different aspects of the family structure and how we can strengthen up our families and stuff. So it became that as the process. Now, one thing I've always learned, you know, when it came to this title, I reached out to my brothers, right? I reached out to my brothers, um, different ideas, running different things that pertaining to the book. And the title came later. The title, literally, the I didn't get the title until probably... November or December of last year. Wow. I've been working on a book for about two years, maybe even three. Okay. And I got different ideas. I'm running across with my boys. I got my, my iPhone out. I got a whole notes. I added them all to the notes. I might write down different titles that you think. And we're all running all these different titles and stuff. And none, none of them are hitting. It's like, eh, uh, I don't know. You know, and during this time period, I, as I was working on a book, I lost, I actually lost my biological father. My, my, my biological father made his transition. Mm -hmm. And that motivated me to finish the book. I was already working on it. And it was like, no, you don't know how much time you have. You know, no one's promised tomorrow. And I need to get this done. So mm -hmm. as I was working on it, there was a sister. And I said, I love my, I love, I love, I love my women. I love our women because 
they're so transparent. They're, they're, the, the, the essence of a woman is just so immaculate. And the way they see things, they compliment us so much. Mm-hmm. So the sister who was editing the book, I sent her the list of the titles, all the different things we were coming up with. Because technically, all these things was in the different titles. Right. And I said, based on what you see here, and you've done all the editing, you've read the book, what do you think the title of the book should be? She sent back that title. Mm. And I looked at it, and it was like, man, it's something about this title. It's like, I couldn't get away from it. I was like, eh, but it's, it sticks. Yeah. Maybe. Eh. And, and the only thing I did different was I took it from apostrophe S for fathers to S apostrophe. That was the only thing I changed because this book is a representation, not just of my biological father, but my spiritual father, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan and all of the men who have had impact in molding me up to be the man that I am today. So this represents all of them in my journey as I'm growing into oneness with Almighty God Allah to try to be better and try to fulfill the will he has set for me. Man, that's beautiful. That is, that's so beautiful, bro. You, you touched on so many points, but like that, that part about, you know, having, having that sister be able to give you the title because there's, there's power in naming things and titles, yes. labeling things. There's so much power that sometimes we, we kind of miss, you know, and the fact that she gave that to you, you know? Yes. And that it, yes. it came from, it was like a, a download from above, just hand it to you. And it's like, oh, this, this is it. This is and, it. And, and, and when, when it's like given to you in that way where it's undeniable, that's when you know things are moving in the right direction. Bro, that's how I knew it was ready. I, yeah. wanted, to re- I wanted to release the book last year. Mm. I actually, last year, um, September 23rd of last year made one year since my father's transition. Mm. And I didn't want that to be something we have to think about all the time, you know, because it, it, was, it was painful to lose, to lose your father. And, you know, you, you know, you, you mentioned in your father taking you on your tour of the different colleges, you know, as a man who has his father around, that's never a, a happy feeling to know that that man is about to go or that man goes. Yeah. So I wanted to put it out, but it wasn't time yet. And yeah. God let me know when it was time. And when things started hitting and laying out and it was like ah, that light bulb went off, it's time. You can release it. And everything has been beautiful and, since that process. And that's how I know I'm walking in the path he wants me to walk yeah so well i I mean i know you know it's it's been a year over a year but my condolences bro like i can i can only imagine you know appreciate it what that what that feels like the the day-to-day like i'm literally in my father's house right now because um our house is under construction so it's just there just and i was i was thinking about it like the, the past few days since we've been here i'm like man I'm so fortunate, bro. Like my dad. Yes. My parents are such good people. They're such good parents. And it's yes, like I can, I can only aspire to be to, to have the energy that they have, the love that they have for their grandchildren, of course, their children as well, and just everything that they do so selflessly, man. It's just like, yo, what a what a gift, man. Like I can't even, you can't quantify it. And it's intimidating trying to follow in those steps, but I mean, yes. Why not? Why not try to do it as, as best as possible, man? Tell me, tell me about that. You know, if, if you can share, I don't want to give too much of the book away because we want everyone to purchase, you know, Hannibal Muhammad. No, absolutely. You know, but but as far absolutely. as like, you know, absolutely. A, a story you could share as far as, you know, one of the things that a few things that your father 
um, just implanted in you and that made you the man that you are today. Absolutely. I, I want to read a, a excerpt from the book real quick, and then I, I will actually hit that as we're talking about fathers. I have yes. a part that says, parents are constantly showing us different values, the different do's and the different don'ts in their lives. If we are able to just study them, watch them, question them in the right way, we will see what it is that Allah is trying to show us because not all of their trials are just for them. We don't know the sacrifices that a parent makes for the betterment of a family because as a child, we are selfish. Mm. <laughs> so like that's actually in the book. My, my father showed me love. He taught me love. He taught me not to let everything bother you. And to always look out for your family. That's one of the biggest things he taught me. And it was interesting growing up, you know, as a child, you want to be like your father. As mm -hmm. you start becoming a teenager, so you're like, I ain't trying to be like you. I'm trying to be my own man. Right. So I was running from things that my father was doing. Like my father as well, he used to be the assistant minister in the Nation of Islam here in Phoenix a long time ago. So I'm finding myself walking that same path of mm -hmm. my father. My father's a type of person where, if you didn't have any money and, and you needed some, came off his back. If mm. he did a project for you, he was giving you the low, the biggest discount, the lowest price. And, and he'll be calling me to come help him work it. And it's like, I'm going to pay you this much money, son. And I'm like looking for my paycheck and I ain't getting it because he, he shortened in the price to make sure you all got what you needed. So that was one of the things that I was fighting, trying to be like. And then I found myself being the same way. Constantly giving to people, constantly cutting deals, trying to make it where they can benefit from different aspects. So that love of the brotherhood, that love of the, the sisterhood, that love for other people to make sure they can get what they need and they desire. I learned that from my father. My father's a hard worker. Mm. My father, you know, he was a type, let's just get it done. Well, that's too much talking. Let's get it done. Let's get it done. Let's make this happen. You know, yeah. so that whole Nike just do it slogan, that's yeah. my father. Like, you know, if you've seen, you know, in 2015 um, was the, the 20th anniversary of the Million Man March. You know, 10, 10, 15, justice or else. A lot of people don't know, my father was actually one of the ones that was involved in building and putting up the stage. Wow. My, that's my father. Like, you wouldn't even know. He just does stuff. He's everywhere. You know, when something happens, he'll be the one in this right here doing stuff. Um, if you remember, Hurricane Harvey took place in, in Houston. Yeah. You know, my brother, I was already reaching out because I got, you know, we, we was in Houston. So I got people yeah, out there yeah. checking yeah, in. What you need? I'm, I'm Amazon and stuff. And my brother calls me like, yo, bro, you know, he's from Dallas. I want to go. Let's go do something. So we started organizing. My dad looks like, so y'all going to act like I'm not here? I'm going too. So <laughs> right. they wind up being like a father, son, cousin, uncle type of thing because my brother's the brother I know, his father went to, my father goes, and we go together with a U-Haul truck driving out to Houston, getting supplies to make sure people have what they need. That's, my father taught me that service. Mm. Service, 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 service. Make sure people get what they need. Don't go there looking for money. Money will come. Just make sure everybody has what they need and they will make sure you have what you need. Man, that's, that's beautiful, bro. That's beautiful. And that's, and that's the thing, man, just learning from example. Like, so, yes. my, so, so my father, you know, we, we grew up, I grew up Baptist Christian. My father still is a minister in the church. Um, mm. He's an executive pastor in Mount Olive Baptist Church, the oldest black church in Oregon, you know. And so wow. um, 
me personally, I'm no longer a Christian. I'm, I'm not religious or I don't, I don't have any type of affiliation. Um, I just, I, I took a step back, you know, and I'm just beginning to learn again, you know? And so, yeah. um, but, but spiritual still, growth, exactly. Spiritual growth is the key. And, but I'm not anti anything. And, and I, and now that I've stepped back, I realize how powerful and how great of a tool you know, religion can be as long as it's used properly, you know? Yes. So, yes. Um, and that's one of those things though, that my dad shows me, like he's using it properly. Like everybody that's connected to him, his sphere of influence, people's lives are better because of the way that he lives his life and the way that he uses the scriptures and helps it affect people positively. Right. And so, yes, sir. and he's not, he's not the guy, like people will think, all growing up in the house, man, I bet your dad, he'd be preaching you every day or he'd just be beating you down with the Bible. I'm like, well, my dad ain't never no. preach. He don't preach. Like, bro. No. Like, people look at my dad like this, no. this, this saint. And I was like, man, my dad's a regular dude, bro. Like, we watch ESPN, yep. we watch football, watch yep. golf. Like, yep. he go off. Like, there's yep. no, there's no preachy, preachy, churchy, churchy, Bible thumpy. Like, nah. Yeah, I mean, he, 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 cur- he Kurt Franklin's you sometimes. It's understandable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, hey, hey, I'm not. I'm not gonna put that on my father. He he's not gonna go that far. You know what I mean? But also, I haven't given my father a reason to call me. You know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but no, but, but, but I feel but you. But he's human. He's exactly. human. Exactly. That part. You know, we forget that. You know, the pastor, the the congregation, they're still human. We make mistakes. We have flaws. We're just yeah. trying to be the, uh, the best example as possible with what we have in front of us, man. Absolutely. I mean, tell your, tell your parents, I said, I appreciate them for, for who they are. What, um, which, you know, um, is he like Kojic? Is he, what, what, Baptist. what denomination? Baptist. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. My grandfather's Baptist. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. Baptist is the church has, has kind of led more towards non-denominational because they're, okay. not, they're not trying to be boxed in. Um, yes. It, it, yes. The name is Mount Alder Baptist Church. We're going back to the 1800s. So still the title. Gotcha. They're not so oh. hardcore with this. Man, yeah. at the end of the day, is the you know, there's a difference between religion and spirituality, but they work together. Yes. And they're supposed to work together. They're supposed to be equally yoked. Yes. You know, so you know, the religion helps to set the structure, the spirituality helps you to grow. So yeah. if you're providing a spirituality within a religion, then everyone should be happy, you know? Exactly. So we just work it together, man. And long as, you know, long as we walk in the will of God, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're being crystallized in the faith, you know, when, you know, as a Muslim people, you know, people have a misunderstanding, but, you know, Muslim, Islam, any, any Arabic or any word that has S-L-M in that order in it means peace. Mm-hmm. So to be a Muslim means that I want to be in peace. To be in Islam means peace. You know, to be in oneness with God. So as long as we're walking that path, then, then we're, we're straight, man. So all praises be to Allah. That's a fact, man. Now, do, do you mind um, talking about your, your spiritual father for a moment? We can talk about him all day. Let's go. So it's, it's amazing to me how <laughs> when it comes to, let's say, let's say just popular media, regular media, white, white-led media, white-owned all media, day. I have to say. Um, the way that they stereotype him or cast him or just the narrative around, you know, Minister Louis Farrakhan, it's like they, they hold on to a quote 
that he made, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago. And they just hold that over his head. And then anybody that just happens to like him, they're holding that over their head as some, you know, I want to say black, yeah. people, but white male. Yeah. <laughs> like they they yeah. were the white male people. Yeah. And, and he's, he's denigrated to the highest degree. Can you, can you tell the people why they need to like not fall into that narrative? Like the, the, the many reasons why they don't need to fall into that narrative of, you know, what the media puts out there about Louis Farrakhan. Absolutely. Well, first, let, let me throw let me throw one of the things that they use. They they like to say, you know, Minister Farrakhan said that Hitler is great. And they take what he said out of context. They, they take what's called sound bites, which we all know about, a little piece of it. They drop it out there like, and then they create the, the notion that people can start running off of without having a complete sentence. You don't have the full quote. No and what he no context. You know, one of these he actually has said, and, and, and please forgive me as I paraphrase it, he said that Hitler is wickedly great. So they took that wickedly part out and they just mm-hmm. said, he said Hitler is great. And then he went and explained why he had said it, which was due to the fact that every year, every year, there's always a program dealing with the Holocaust. Mm. And everybody in the world and everybody in America in the essence, whether you're in school or going out of school, you have an opportunity or you're being pushed to have to watch what happened to the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. Well, every time that happens, because you tell us to forget about slavery, we never tell you to forget about the Holocaust. We never say that. Mm-hmm. But every time you do that, you're actually amplifying that man Hitler even more because you're exposing the greatness of what he was doing to your people. Mm-hmm. Wickedly great. Mm-hmm. But because he said, he said Hitler was great. Hitler did this to the Jews. Well, hold on, homie. You're taking it out of context. So they use that against us and they use that against him all the time. Now, I will tell you this. The Honorable Minister Louis Farquhar, if it be the will of Allah, which means it be the will of God, this upcoming May 11th, he will make 88 years. He's never been arrested. He's been known for telling nothing but the truth. He's, 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 you never seen him harm anybody. You never, you've never heard him say anything in the aspect of we're about to go kill or hurt or torture. He's never, he's never sent any of us to go do anything like that. But for some reason, he's given a bad life. Now I'll, I'll drop this out. There was a lot of people surprised on how eloquent and how diverse he was going in and out of scripture at DMX home going. People were surprised. He teaches like, People were surprised. I didn't know he can teach like that on scripture and how he was hitting the bike. But yes, yes. That's how he teaches all the time. You know, oh. so for us, we're like, man, like we get hyped because he brings, he brings the Torah. He brings the gospel. He brings the Quran. He brings them together and he massages it. And he, he bakes a cake with it. And he shows like when you read in the Bible and the Quran and it talks about Moses, you know, putting the staff down and splitting for, for the 10 rivers that, that every nation can eat from. That's what you watch him do. Mm-hmm. So when he speaks, when he speaks, he's giving us something that brings up the nations. Mm. He brings up all races. He brings up, especially us. Like at the end, of, you got to remember what race got hit the worst. We did. What body of people got hit the worst? So how do I go help everybody else who's already functioning and leave them behind? Mm. No, I need to go focus on getting us up to so we can be even 
Now I can work on everybody else. And that's where it becomes a problem to, for a lot of other people. But he's teaching the same thing he's been teaching. He's just very eloquent with it. He's giving it in a very diverse way. He's allowing people to see and he's opening the minds, the heart of the pe- the minds, the heart and the eyes of pe- he's doing the work of Jesus. Mm-hmm. If you look at everything they spoke about Jesus, Jesus was able to take the deaf and now the deaf can hear. Well, we were deaf to what was going on in the world. Now we understand what's going on. We were blind to what was going on in the world. Now we can see. We, we had a stumbling tongue, but after listening to this man speak, you hear us speak in a more elegant way as well. You hear us speak and bring dominance and be able to bring passion and confidence into things that are going on with actual facts. So they don't want you to know that. They, this is one thing they said to the minister in those private meetings when he, when he sits down with these different groups of people. They said this to him. As I paraphrase it, they said to him, it ain't you that we fear. It's your ideas. Mm -hmm. Why is it that they fear his ideas? Because his idea brings all of the nations together. Mm -hmm. His ideas allows the the bottom to become the top. It allows the tail to become the head. And, and, you know, once we as Black people really understand that, man, bro, we we have a consuming spending power of over $1.3 trillion per year. Wow. If you looked at us as a nation, which we really are, as mm-hmm. our own operating nation, that will make us number seven. Yep. Between seven and nine, because I know it's, it's changed a little bit over the last couple of years, but that well, will we, make us like number ten. seven. Top ten. Top ten. Sure. Top yep. Top ten of the wealthiest nation in the world. Mm-hmm. Do you, bro, everybody feeds off of us. Yeah. Every, everybody eats off of us. And all he's saying is, while we're feeding everybody else, won't we take that and make sure we feed each other? Mm. That's a problem. Because now that but takes money out of everybody else's pockets. It does, man, because we are we are gas for the engine uh, as, as it pertains to the system. So, yes, but it's it's amazing that you like that. They say that it's not amazing, but like I love that they said it. We don't fear you. We fear your ideas. And I try to like I, I have a course, a private course that I teach. Uh, it's called Know Your Enemy, the Evolution of Racism. And one thing that I, that I tell people is that racism isn't like white supremacy it's an idea it's a notion yes like thoughts become things and so it's a notion that these europeans had and then they just went around the world and they took their ideas and they literally placed it in the minds of everybody that they they came in contact with so then the physical domination isn't even the worst part it's the no it's the yes. mental, it's the psychological yeah. domination because when I can slavery you psychologically, then I'm on autopilot. I could just walk around and you're going to do exactly what I want you to do because I've placed all these ideas in your mind. Yes. Who I am, who you are in relation to me, what you deserve, what I deserve, what God looks like, what you look like. I look like oh. God, you don't. And so those ideas, they understand that this is a, this is a game of perception. Yes, mental slavery. And when we as black folks understand all of this is 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 deception. We're all running on deception. Like no one is who they're supposed to be in the system of white supremacy. The white person is extremely arrogant, cocky, and just culturally clueless. The black person is over overcoming stereotypes, fighting all these ideas of who they think they are because the system told them that you're lazy, that you're lustful, that you're this, that you're that, and you're trying to overcompensate in everything that you do. Tell me about how the minister and how the nation helps you all overcome the stereotypes 
and rebuild your identity based upon truth as opposed to the deception that we've been given? Well, that's a, that's a great question. I'm, I'm going to throw it out here like this first. That's why they're not allowed in our meetings right now. Because our mindset is set up that if we, you and I are having a conversation, right? Mm-hmm. A Caucasian person comes into the, re- into the room. This is an unapologetic conversation. Mm-hmm. Will we alter our conversation for them? Most of the yes. time we do. Mm-hmm. Most of the time we do. Oh we, oh, we have to cater to him. Because, you know, so when we have our meetings, they're not allowed in our meetings. They can listen to it, but they're not allowed in our meetings because we, wind, we will wind up because of how we've been trained we will wind up adjusting and it'll be just like you see those pictures where you see the master inside the church with the pastor making sure that he ain't saying nothing crazy. Yeah. You'll watch that happen and you see it happen and you see it happen a lot in the churches, you know. So what, what we have, we have what's called men's only class. It's all it's F-O-Y, fruit of Islam. The fruit is the best part of the tree. So that's what the men, that's our men's only class. We have that on Mondays and that's what we discuss things and we're able to have dialogues that help us become better men. We have MGT and GCC, Muslim Girl in Training and General Civilization classes for the women where they're discussing the things for them that allow them to be able to overcome some of these obstacles. Then we have our Sunday public meetings. Um, Then we have our Wednesday and Friday study group, which is similar to Bible study. And that allows us to come together and be able to crack atoms, be able to tap into each other's thought processes and be able to build up the spiritual affinity, which allows us to become stronger. Then, as you know, which is which becomes, you know, I'm not gonna call it a threat, but which is a threat to people. We have our own military. Mm-hmm. So you see us, you see us coming to ranks shoulder to shoulder and, and we and we follow one command. We don't, we don't go off our own commands. Once we fall in ranks, we go off one command. And, and, we, and we follow that command and we work together. And because of those particular structures, it allows us to overcome all obstacles. Anytime something goes on in a community, who are they looking for? The nation of Islam. It can be, a, it can be riots happening. If the nation shows up, everybody's saying, the nation is here. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they know we're not coming to take from you. We're coming to give. We bring peace to the community. When there's drama going on, we're there. When you saw Ferguson and you saw the different riots going on and the protests going on and you saw the standoffs with the police, you know who was there in the middle? The Nation of Islam. Wow. I know See, that. they don't talk about that part. Mm. It was a Nation of Islam, not saying calming down the people, but there to ensure that nothing happened to them. Because mm. they know if the nation is here, they know they can't make certain moves they would normally make. Because they know what's going to happen, how the repercussions are going to move out. It's similar if you've seen the movie Malcolm X, mm-hmm. and you remember there's a scene where they beat up on the brother and they took him to prison, and you yeah. see Malcolm come in with the with the ranks. You see him coming with the fruit, and mm-hmm. after he finished, he does this move right here. You know, what I mean? he does this move right yeah, here, yeah, yeah, and everybody yeah, yeah. moves out. But what did the sheriff say? What did the chief say? That's too much power for one black man. Ooh. They know that. That's the reason why they try to keep you from the nation. That's why they speak so ill of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, because they know the more you hear from this man, the more you hear from his representatives, the more you hear from the people that walk in that walk or striving to walk that path, they know that, that man, Islam, the nation of Islam is a transformation, a transformating organization. Mm-hmm. You talk about drug dealers, pimps, hustlers, prostitutes dope fiends coming in and their lives being transformed 
You see a shine on their face again. You see light glowing on them again. You see them growing. You see, you see weight dropping off on them. You see them, you see them becoming more prominent in their life. You see them moving around. You see them becoming more productive. That's what they fear. They fear the idea. So I tell you, go listen to the Honorable Minister Lewis Farr. Go listen to the words that he said at DMX's home going. Just listen to his words. Go listen to the different lectures. Why is it that they have taken him off of social media? Why is it that they have taken him off of, off of YouTube, but he has not broken any of their guidelines? Because they fear the ideas that he's bringing. Mm, mm, mm. Why don't they want you to know? Because they know if you hear it, it's going to change your life. He doesn't say leave the church and come to the mosque. No, he just says be a better Christian, be a better Baptist, be a better Jew, be a better Muslim. Whatever, whatever um, the nomination or whatever faith that you walk, that's fine. As long as you're walking, to, as long as you're walking to the best of your ability to walk in the path of God. Mm then go do that. Go be right and go help your community be right too. Don't rob the people of what it is that they should have. That's it. Simply put, man. Simply put. It's it's, it's so wild, man. It's so wild that the censorship. And it's like, you know, it, it blows my mind that folks have, like, like that was their first time hearing him, especially in the information age. But I, I guess when people's voice have been muffled for so long and they've been out of the spotlight you know most most folks are just gonna go with what's directly in front of them and maybe not gonna dig but you can go look up you know especially like his the the stuff that he did on phil donahue show on youtube oh my god you know what i mean like come on bro like just just watch that watch the younger farrakhan you know in his 40s with that firefighter and it's just like it's out there it's accessible you can find out who he is for yourself and you don't have to continue to let the media drive this narrative and scare you out of saying, yo, I dig what he's saying because he's speaking some facts and it's resonating yes. with my spirit. And so, you know, I just, I just want to just share that with everybody. Like y'all don't gotta be scared. Y'all don't have no. to fear this man just because they tell you to. He ain't did nothing to you. He hasn't harmed nobody that you know. Like you said, there has been no violence to come out of, you know, from him towards anybody else. Nothing has happened. And so, but we can we can go on and on about that, my brother. But we really could. <laughs> really could. I'm just, look, I'm trying, I'm trying to find these stats real quick because I wanted to give you it's in the book, but I was trying to find it. Um, I was bringing up my man, my manuscript. Word. Um, in the book, there's a um, there it goes right here. In the book. Ah, I keep hitting the wrong one. 10, 10, 15 was record breaking. Mm -hmm. The argument was, oh, he didn't outdo what happened at the Million Man March. He actually did. Because we're in, we're, in we're in a different dispensation. We're in a time of social media. Everybody didn't have to be present. Mm. But I'll put it like this. I went to ASU leading into it. We put on a couple events. And based off what we had did, over 20 students booked tickets that same week and shot out to D.C. with nowhere to stay. Mm. And they were calling me, Brother Hannibal, Brother Hannibal, I'm here. I'm here. I don't know where I'm going to stay. All right, hold on. Let me make some phone calls. And I was making phone calls, making arrangements for people to lay down for they have somewhere to lay at. For sure. I want the actual facts. I have to find it. But it hit over 100 and something nations that day. 
It was trending number one worldwide. Mm. It hit, and I want to say 1.4 billion homes worldwide. Sheesh. So you can't tell me he didn't outdo the Million Man March. Right, right. And, and, and it was mainly youth on the Mall of Washington mm. compared to in, in, in 1995. But they don't want you to know that. They're looking at only, they're only going to look at what was right there. No, nah, no, nah, homie, chill out, chill out. We're, we're in the information phase now. Mm. Let's look at all that stuff. So, yes. It's beautiful, man. Tell me, tell me about, tell me about what it is. Um, because like you said, going back to what you said uh, a few minutes ago, just the type of men, the type of people that are produced, like who they, who you are before coming into the nation. And then as you're in the nation, how you come out and turn out into just this amazing, eloquent man on fire, full of knowledge, fully equipped to be able to take care of your family, your community, to be able to speak on any occasion, right? So it's like you have, of course, Elijah Muhammad, and then you have Malcolm X, Farrakhan, um, of course, yourself, Reza Islam, Nuri Muhammad, uh, 19 Keys, uh, and Brother Ben X. I mean, the, the list goes on of prolific brothers that are just doing amazing things in, in business, entrepreneurship, the community, writing books, just and just fully equipping people to be able to live better lives. What 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 is it, bro? Like, how is it that this organization is producing the cream of the crop when it comes to leaders in the black community? Well, in the most respectful way, I'm gonna say it like this: this organization is the cream of the crop. Okay. No disrespect to no others, but it is. And it's not, it's not all, it's not all talk. Right. So when you come in, and I mentioned earlier, this is a transformating, you know, transformation type of organization. You, you can't, just like what Jesus said, you can come as you are, but you can't stay the same. Mm. So when you come, when you come into the mosque, when you come into the nation and you go check into your mosque or your study group, you are now being taught different things about yourself that you didn't know. You're you're being you're now facing, you're now looking in the mirror, facing the aspects of you that's been holding you down. Mm. And now you have a support team around you of brothers and sisters who have also faced their own demons and they're still facing their demons. So they're there to help you face your demons to overcome those things. The most honorable Elijah Muhammad teaches us that this enemy doesn't have enough jobs for themselves. So how do they have enough jobs from us? For mm. us, the honorable minister Farka talks about we've been they were saying it in the 60s, they were saying it in the 80s, they were saying it in the nice in the 90s. Um, no jobs, no peace. Like what? Justice, no peace, no jobs. You think if they can't provide jobs for themselves, how are they gonna provide a job for you? How are they gonna they come first? This is their world right here that we're living in. So what we have to do is produce for ourselves. See, we were most productive before we were integrated we were the most productive see people are gonna argue that they're gonna be mad i don't care that's fine it's okay but we were the most productive that's why they destroyed black wall street because they seen that the dollar stopped working its way into their community and it was circulating within hours 
See, when you look at the Asian community, the dollar circulates for like 30 days. Hey, it, when you it look hurt, at the Jewish it community. Ego too. It hurt their yes. ego too. Because they yes. thought they was white, they was better than these Negroes. Yes. Whatever. Oh, no, no, no. Yes. Leave we us, spend the leave, most Leave us money. be. Leave us be and yes. see what we can do. Yeah. And see what we can do. So when we're around each other, we're able to speak straight talk. We're able to be unapologetic. We're able to not shun each other, but we're able to be stern and pull each other's coattails and lift each other up. We're able to give each other tough love and be able to say, you know better. Like, like there's there's the little skit that you see from a basketball game a couple years ago, and you see it circulate now where the center or the big man made a bad play and he drops his head and you see the guard come up behind him. He does this to him. See, that's what happens in the black community when the black community is able to work with the black community. We support each other. We uplift each other. Bro, the Asian community, the dollar circulates for about 30 days. The Jewish community circulates for about 27 days. The Caucasian community circulates for about 21 days. But when it comes to us, it circulates in our community for six hours. Mm. The money goes out. Mm -hmm. So when you look at the nation of Islam, we're producing men. We're producing women that desire to do for self, that desire to want to walk the path of God, that desire to throw away the weed, throw away the heroin, the cocaine, throw away the meth, throw away the alcohol, throw away fornication and adultery, want to live a better life. And you have people around you support. So when you look at the nation of Islam, it's like going to therapy, but you're going to therapy with your boys. You're going to therapy with your sisters. Like, oh, man, hold on. We about to chop it up. And then you're working together with people that have the same aspirations as you. So when you come out of it, and when I say come out, you're still in it. See, right. the, see the mosque? The mosque and study groups are hospitals. So you're coming from a wicked world that's destroying you, and then you go into the hospital to be healed, and then you go back into the world. But what do you do? You check back in. Hey, I just want to make sure everything's good. Can you check my vitals real quick? All right, bet. Let's go back into the world and let's start trying to bring more people in and let's start healing more people. See what what's that? What has happened? Everything has become talk, 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 talk. No, when you look at the nation of Islam, you're looking at action, looking at work, you're looking at things be, being produced. We know at the end of the day, their economy is falling. The dollar is not even worth a dollar no more. It's terrible. The economy's broke. They're printing paper. It doesn't even, it's not even worth what it is. But what we know is at some point in time, it's going to go away. So let's go and secure ourselves some land of our own. Mm-hmm. Let's go secure some property. Let's go get some gardens. Let's go, let's go get some schools. Let's go and travel the world while we can on this little measly dollar until we can get what we need and we build our own community. We are in a time of separation. Mm-hmm. And you can see it happening yep. right in front of our eyes. We're just afraid of it. Mm. We go, we, you know, we, we, we run into these, these nicer areas while they turn around and buy up our areas and gentrify and, and, and go through gentrification. Mm-hmm. They're doing it here in Phoenix, oh, right yeah. on the south side, bro. Right on the south side where I grew up at. Yep. On the south side is part of District 8. District 8 is the largest district in the Phoenix metropolitan area. District 8 is part of downtown. But they didn't like going downtown because they have to go through the hood to go to downtown. So they've been pushing us west and sending us into other areas so they can buy up our area. And now the houses that that we were selling for fifty to eighty thousand, a hundred thousand, now we want to go buy it buy it back. It costs two hundred thousand dollars. How did that happen? Because mm. they don't want us to come. See, when we're teaching that, that's a problem. 
No, no, no. Don't go out to Scottsdale. Don't go to Paradise Valley. Don't go to Queen Creek and Cave Creek and Tempe. No, go back to the south side and buy back up the south side mm. and bring the property value up that way. That's a fact. That's a fact, man. That's, that's beautiful, bro. I, I just love how, you know, it's, it's a holistic approach. Like, as I'm, like I said, as I took a step back from religion, I went from Christian to Hebrew Israelite to was like, you know what? I don't, I don't know. I, I just, I just don't know, man. I don't, I don't really know. Let me just step back and view things. And so yes, sir. I'm at the point where I'm still learning, but whatever, I'm just at a point where it's like, what, whatever builds you up and helps build up your community, yes. your family, your yes. sphere of influence yes. and your community, every area of activity should lead into building and not destroying. It should lead Absolutely. Into, into, into helping you flourish as a human being. And so whether it's economics, education, entertainment, labor, law, politics, religion, sex, war, if it don't work for you, it's working against you because, because the system has been built to work against you in all of those areas. And so now it's our, it's our turn, it's our time to be able to, all right, we need to make sure all these areas are working for us. And so if my spiritual system don't work for me, I gotta change my spiritual system. But if it does work for me, cool, we good. Now let's go on to the next area. All right, if my economic, the way that I got my economic situation set up, like if I'm not practicing cooperative economics with my family, if I'm not working in a way that I don't have my own you know, control of, of my economic future, some type of business side hustle, something like I can't rely on the system because as, as you said, the system was not built for us to thrive. It was only built for us to be gas for the engine to be able to propel them in whatever direction that they want to go. And so exactly what you did. And, and that's exactly what we did. And that's why they, they still are not treating us like citizens, still not giving us equal nothing, still all of that because it was never designed for us to have an equal share in this in the spoils of, of america so i want to hit that before i hit that part i'm, I'm going to read this real quick from the book yes, uh, i want to give those stats um i had reached out to my big brother abdul kia muhammad formerly known as jesse muhammad i said brother i need the stats real quick from 10 to 15 um we're talking about a man who has reached the masses here's the 10 10 15 stats he said justice or else hashtag just or else reached our he said are you ready for this number Mm -hmm. well, that's actually what I said. He said it reached 1.5 billion people worldwide. Mm -hmm. 1.5 billion people worldwide. That's crazy. <laughs> and, and it was trending number one nationally and worldwide on Twitter for over 15 hours straight. Mm. Went from a million man to <laughs> a thousand million. <laughs> that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, it was something else you threw out there. I wanted to hit the. I wanted to get a point on that. Ah, um, uh, man, what was it? I can't remember the last point you put. Making a, making the system work for you, you know, uh, having economic control, having control. Of there it goes. There it goes. There yeah. it goes. This is what came to my mind because we have way more control than we realize. We just don't realize we have the control because we're disunified and they keep us disunified, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. When Trayvon Martin happened, right? What state was that in? Florida. Florida. Yep. What, what, what is Florida known for? 
being crazy as hell. <laughs> let, so, let me rephrase it. In regards of product, what oh, is it or- known for? Uh, oranges? Yes. Okay. Let's go there. Okay. What if we had boycotted oranges like the civil rights movement did with the buses? Mm. You don't think they would have made a change? It's very possible. See, when all those orange, when all those oranges companies start coming to the president and coming to these organizations and saying, y'all need to fix this because you impact in our pockets. See, that's what happens. Once you impact the pockets, that's when the changes come. That's why they got upset with Black Wall Street. That impacted the pockets. Anytime we impact pockets, changes happen. We, what happens is we don't go impacting pockets. We go and we stand on the, we stand on the side or we stand in the road or we go and we protest and we walk. No, we need to impact the economics. When you do that, changes come. Because there's two things they fear, their money and their life. Mm -hmm. And one of them, they feel a little bit more than the other. Yeah. And, but the impact in their pockets. That was the point. Not, yeah, for sure. And it's like impact in their pockets, but we don't impact our own pockets, bro. Exactly. And and you know it, you, you guys, yes. you guys already practice it, you teach it, but like we don't impact our own pockets. Like, so yeah. for instance, for instance, literally last year I was thinking, I'm like, um, bruh, I got a college education. My brother mm-hmm. got a degree, both my sisters got degrees, both my parents mm. got college degrees, but I'm thinking to myself, you know, what do we have to show for it? Like we got all this education. But what what do we collectively have to show for our collective education? Because because like as I continue to study and learn, I'm looking at myself not as an individual, but like of course I'm a part of a collective. And so, you know, I live in Portland once again, bro. And it's like all this talk about allies and solidarity, and it's like black people, especially in like hyper segregated, not segregated, but like if you're a hyper minority, you tend to to have that ally talking point because you just don't have enough solidarity within your community. But if we have solidarity within our own community, we're not looking for allies and asking for allies and asking for out pe- people on the outside to help solve our problems. And so I'm like, all right, let me look at my family. Exactly. We're educated, like, but we don't have nothing to show for it. So I was like, I, I came to them and I said, yo, it kind of what you're saying, like jobs are, are going to be, it's going to be hard to come by when automation hits like 2030, 2035. So many regular jobs that, you know, our kids could get when they're first out of, out of high school, out of, out of college, whatever, it's going to be gone if they don't have a specific skill set. Right. And so your, your biggest um, expense is housing, but all right, I own a house, you know, me and my wife own a house, my parents own a house and, and one of my sisters own a house. So we got three houses in the family, but I'm like, okay, Let's take it to another level. We should have something collectively, all this, all this education, all this income. So we started a brokerage account and we're contributing to that every month. And I, I laid out, uh, briefly laid out a 120 year plan that we, we save X amount per month, right? And then every five to seven years, we buy a property. Now that property can be a vacation home and or it could be Airbnb or it could be whatever, but we buy a property. And so that, you know, over the years, of course, over 120 years, we'll have a minimum of 20 properties in the family. But it's like it's one is showing our our kids and our grandkids and our great grandkids 
this is the blueprint. This is how you work together as a family. It's not just about you. And this is all it takes per month so that everybody can be taken care of. Yes. And then it's just like, we can't be this smart, but have nothing to show for it. Have no access. Exactly. I'm smart. I'm this, I'm that. I can say something smart on Facebook and I can tear you down and I can tell you about yourself, but I still need a job from you because I haven't had any discipline. I haven't had any strategy within myself or my sphere of influence so that I can come up out of this situation and benefit from all the knowledge that I say that I have. And so I'm just like, yo, we just need to put this to work and we need to make our, our money work for us. And yeah, bro. <laughs> so so are, are you are you open for recommendation slash suggestion? For sure, for sure. Yeah, we, we just started this year. We just started. Keep the same concept. Mm-hmm. This is what I want you to add to it, though. Mm. Turn them into group homes. Mm. They'll pay for themselves. Because mm. you're already buying a property. Yeah. You're already buying a property, and group homes need a home to be in, and all you do is charge the group home rent. So that now you can run multiple businesses, and you're paying. You're using that to pay off the mortgage of the house of the properties. Ooh, we. So that's something that we're actually like. We have group homes here, and yeah. that's the thing I'm working on with my mother right now. Is all right. Look, we need to go ahead and start because right now we're renting out homes. So I'm putting us in a position where we can start purchasing homes. And right. now you have a holding company yep. that's leasing out to the group home because the group home needs a home to function in. And right. then you charge up, you know, you upcharge a little bit more than what you're paying for the mortgage so that it pays the mortgage. And then you can throw the rest of that towards the principal. And then the group home makes its own money anyway. So then you can circulate that back. So now you can have the Airbnb home, the vacation home that's not making a whole lot of money, but mm-hmm. that helps to pay the mortgage on that too. Exactly. There's so many options. Just something you have to talk about. No, nah, that's, that's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. And you call me if you got any questions. On I that. got you. Yeah, man. You're the, you're the point person on that, bro. So that's another thing because we have a quarterly meetings because, um, you know, we're, we're taking the money. We're investing it, you know, of course. But, you know, as a, and, and once, once again, we're going to make our purchase, our first purchase within the next five to seven years. So I'll say like six years. So um, started this year. So in 2027, we plan to purchase our first property. But but yeah, bro, like that's that's definitely going to be thrown into the into the hat as an option because who knows who knows what that can turn into. So that's I thank you for that, bro. <laughs> now you got my mind going. Hey, yeah. absolutely. Like that's that's yeah. the conversation out here, and yeah. it's is bro. It man, you know, it's a little bit of work to get in, but once you get in, you're rolling, and now you're able to now you're able to also walk the faith and walk the path of Jesus and be able to feed the masses through the, you mm-hmm. know, with, with fish and bread, mm-hmm. you know, our responsibility is to take care of the needy, the wayfarer, the widows, the orphans. Well, what do you think that is? It's a group home. Man. And now depending on what age groups you're working with, now you're able to set the younger ones on a better path. Now you're able to help the adults be able to make better decisions in their life. And, and, and all you did was set this up. And then you couldn't even go back to your father and be like, look, yo dad, how the church do it too? Man, <laughs> you see, you see, you see yeah. you see, and now y'all run in Oregon, y'all run in Portland. That's it on many levels. That's it. Serving the community you know, at the up. same time. Come on, Man, bro. That's beautiful. And see, that's we're taught that to think like that in the nation. 
think yeah. entrepreneurship, how do you expand? You know, mm-hmm. we're taught that we have good homes, friendships, and all walks of life, money, luxury. Well, what does that look like? You know, I, I'm not waiting. For, I'm not going to wait, you know, for a spook God to come and just hand it to me. No, that's the presence of God in me that's supposed to go and make it make it happen. I make a prayer. I hit that prayer rug and you get to work. That's it. You get to work. That's it. That's beautiful. So, that's beautiful. Well, brother, I, I always end all my podcasts with the Fab Five, man. Five questions that I ask everybody. You ready? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Right. Hopefully. Yeah, man, Don't embarrass got, me, bro. You got this. You got this, bro. Uh, first question, when you were a kid, what was the first thing you wanted to be in life? Well, I'm going to make you mad because I was never a kid. Oh, oh, okay. Only because a kid is a baby goat. But I understand the question that you're asking. <laughs> I was always a child, though. I was always a child. But when, when I was young, <laughs> now you good, you good, you good. You good. My wife would get mad at me. Stop. Like, hey, it's facts. Don't call them kids. They're not kids. Um, but when I, when I was a child, I went, when I was really, really young, I wanted to be a ninja. Let's be, I want to be okay. a ninja. Let's, let's go there. Power first. Rangers. Okay. Before then, before oh, okay. then, Bruce Lee days, bro. Bruce My Lee's bad. 13 yeah, assassins. Bad. Like, I wanted to be a ninja. Word. Um, then I wanted to be a basketball, football player. And I always said I was going to be, I was going to be a trillionaire. I felt that as a child. Like, I'm going to be wealthy. Mm-hmm. You know, so I equated to being a, a trillionaire. But I wanted to play basketball. I wanted to play football. Um, that was, that was probably my go-to as a child when I was younger. Mm. And then it became a dancer. High school. All of that. Yeah. You see it happen now. Yeah. I, I can't, I don't, I can't just sit in one thing. Word. But the, the trillionaire is on the way though. So. Hey, hey. We're gonna make just it a matter happen. of time. Yes, sir. Matter yes, of time. Sir. Even yeah. if it ain't me, I'm going to set it up so the ones behind me can get it. That's all that matters, man. Yo, yeah, that Y exactly. chromosome goes on forever. You know what I mean? As yes, it does. Boy, that, that lasts forever. So you're going to Trying get to get there. Yes, sir. I'm going to renegotiation phases. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll be praying for you, bro. <laughs> Question number two. When you feel overwhelmed, how do you de-stress? Oh, I, I have a few things I do. Um, and everything's on different levels. Yeah. Take a walk, listen to music, mm-hmm. meditate. If I if it's if it's bad enough, I hit that prayer rug. Um, hiking. Sometimes I need solitude. If I have the time, if I have the time and the resources in front of me at the time to make it, mean I got the money on me at the time. Mm-hmm. I like to do what's called um, floatology. What is where, that? bro? It's amazing. I love it. It sounds great. It sounds great. It massages. It's you know. For sure. It's it's a um not a hub, what do you call it? It's a tank. Okay. That they they put salt water in it, it's room temperature, and you lay in there, they close everything, you're in there for an hour. Um, a lot of athletes do it. And at some point, as you start to calm, um, your body starts to float on the water. Mm. And by the time you come out of it, you're in you have such good zen that you're just mm. like, you know. <sighs> Yeah, Ooh. you know, now it's just maintaining it, going back to the rest of the stress of the world. Ooh, but yeah, yeah, taking a walk, taking a walk is like my first go to. I mean, let me take a walk. Let me go get some fresh air. You know, let me listen to some music. I might go. Let me go. Let me go make prayer. Let me go hiking. You know, you know, you know I don't get a chance to hoop anymore as often as I used to. So I'd be like, I'm going to the gym. I'm going to the gym. I'll be back. So, bro. Yes, sir. Confession. I gave up on hooping, bro. I gave up. Really, I've had I've had so many friends 
tear their Achilles. I'm just like, yo, Ooh. um, I can't do. It. I'm I'm literally scared to tear my Achilles because it's like too yeah. many, too many folks, bro. But yeah, <laughs> it scared me. Yeah, out. they must. They was getting hit with that euro step. Something, whatever they getting hit with, bro. Whatever these young cats is doing, I I can't keep up. I can't keep up, man. <laughs> um, yes, sir. Question number three: If you could choose any one person, any one celebrity as a life coach, who would it be and why? <laughs> Minister Farcon. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a feeling that was coming. <laughs> it, it, you know, because believe it, or not, I don't get hyped up on a lot of celebrities. And you. believe it, and believe it or not, a lot of them get guidance from the minister. Mm. They just oh, I don't. Tell I, I won't. I don't, I don't yeah. doubt that at all. I don't they, doubt that they at just, all. They won't. They won't tell you because they know it impacts their pockets. So it was like, why? Why take two steps up when I can go to the top? You know, mm-hmm. um, that will be that will be my life coach. You know, um, outside of that, I mean, shoot, a Steve Jobs. Right. How did you make these moves? You know, show 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 me the ins and the outs. Mm-hmm. You know, a masterpiece. Show me the ins and the outs. How you know how you did it. You know, maybe even a Jay Z, but really, at the end of the day, they all they all seek counsel from the minister because they're dealing with so much drama in the world that they need that life coach. So, him, that's that's yeah. that's my go-to. Yeah, easily, easily, bro. Um, question number four: If you woke up tomorrow and found out that you hit the lottery for a hundred million dollars, how that's would it. You, only a hundred million? Just a hundred million. Uh, how would you spend your money and your time? <laughs> From that day forward, easy. I, I've already processed that. That's why I said only a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> Says it, coming, coming every, from the mind of a trillionaire, that's nothing. You know? I read it from every figure up. Um, one, I would drop ten percent back into you know into the mosque and the nation, making sure they're good. Mm-hmm. I would um, pay off debts, you know, pay off student loans, pay off debts, pay off my wife's stuff. I'll tell my wife, you ain't got to go back to work. You good? I will mm-hmm. pay off the house. I will put money in the community. I will open up a school. Um, I'll open up a school. I will build. I will build a new mosque out here for the mm-hmm. community. I, I will build a community center over here where I live at. Um, I will go and pay off different bills, different businesses throughout the country, different like debts. Mm-hmm. Um, I also will reinvest it. Well, I'll reinvest it into group homes, mm-hmm. and I will look to open up. I will look to buy properties and open up group homes nationwide. Mm. Uh, I will put some, I will set everything else up in trust, move everything into the trust, exactly. make sure the family is situated, put some stuff yeah. together for my daughters. So they're good. Um, put some stuff together for my, my mother. I'll pay off my mother's mortgage. I will buy, I'll buy a house for my sisters and my brothers. I will drop something on them and I will just make sure I'm giving back, man. If mm. I was blessed like that, it's like one thing I've learned when I give, when I get blessed, when I give back, I get blessed again and I keep getting blessed and I keep getting blessed. So that would be my move. Man, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. You you ready? You ready for the wealth, bro? Well, ready, ready for the abundance. I love it, bro. I love all it. Praise be to Allah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Last question, man. Mm-hmm. Um, at your eulogy, what what <laughs> message do you want communicated at your eulogy? Man, I must really be an old soul. <laughs> I've thought about that as well to an extent. Yeah. Okay. One thing I've said is I want everybody to be honest. Mm. If you didn't like me, be honest. If you thought I was a if you thought I was an asshole, be honest. 
Mm-hmm. If you thought I was this, be honest. Like, I, I want you to be honest, but I was I was reflecting on this question. I'm glad you brought this up. I was reflecting on this the other day with a couple of my brothers. And I was looking at the, you know, the transition of all these celebrities. Amen. And I was like, man, bro, you know, when our time comes, when we take our last breath, what will our impact be on the world? Mm. And that's really what I would want. I would want to be expressed at my eulogy is the impact that God blessed me to have on the world. Mm. You know, the different things, because a lot of the things I do, I don't talk about. And it's not, it's not meant to be talked about. You know, charity and charity in private is better than charity in public. So there's a lot of things I do behind the scenes I don't talk about. There's so much stuff that's not posted on social media. Mm-hmm. So that will be a time that people could express what was done and and the things that 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 happened and things I've done in their life that I didn't think about. Now, I want to throw this last little piece out there to it. When I was in Houston, somebody broke into my apartment. I was staying on um, on Griggs in those apartments on Griggs. Um, off of not uh, Griggs, off of, uh, off of M- MLK. Yes, there you go. Yeah, yes. I, I yes. stayed there yes. too. I'll be trying to remember what 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 was those apartments called. I, I'm trying to remember because they had they had a few of them. Yeah, um, I can't remember what, what they're called. Um, but I was staying in there. Somebody broke into my apartment, stole all my stuff, I'm pissed, yeah. right? Yeah. And I decided to move. Mm-hmm. And when I moved to my I moved to my new apartment, I called some of my friends to help me move. They helped me move, and I pull out money to pay each and every one of them. Mm-hmm. And they're like, nah, nah, put that back. Nah, nah, I don't want that. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, for real, sis, I appreciate it, bro. I appreciate it. They're like, we're not taking your money. I said, can you please take my money? Like, like, because it felt weird not giving it to them. Like, dude, yeah. take it. And then yeah. they said, do you not remember all the things you did for us? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what you're talking about. Take this money so I can go in the house and chill. And mm-hmm. then that's when they started telling. One of my brothers was pledging to be an alpha. He's like, remember, I had to go make those runs, bro. And I didn't, my car was broken. I was like, yo, bro, can I use your car? And he was like, huh, just make sure you put gas in it. And then yeah. my homegirl's like, remember when I was trying to move and my boyfriend, this is what Halo just came out. My boyfriend and his friends upstairs and they playing video games the whole time and I'm trying to get in the movie and I called you and I'm pissed and you came, and you pulled up and you're like, get y'all up and get to work. And they sure know everybody was moving. Bro, you've always came there for us whenever mm-hmm. we needed it. Mm-hmm. How can we take this money? One thing I'm tired of is when you're doing good, it's in the nature of the man to do good. Mm-hmm. It's not in our nature to do bad. So we don't remember the good we've done we always remember the bad we've done. Mm. So at my eulogy, I would love for everyone to know the different goods that I've done that I didn't think about that would help people be able to have ease as they suffer going through that morning of losing me. Wow, bro, that's powerful. That's that's beautiful. To be that's beautiful. You said it's in our nature that we don't remember what we do good because it's in our nature to be good. But we do remember when we do bad. Yes. Because we're, we're going against our nature. We're going against our nature. Ooh, that's hard. Hello, bro. I hello. I can't take credit for that. Yeah. That came from the Honorable Minister Lewis Park. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. All credit where credit is due, for sure. Credit is due, man. Yeah. That, and see, it's it's nuggets like that. It's gems mm-hmm. like that that help us in the nation. Yes, so when sir. we when we hear stuff, it's like, man. Now we reflect, and then you implement stuff like that in your life, and you watch you watch the transformation happen. No so doubt. yes, sir. No doubt. Hannibal, yes, sir. as we as we close this thing out, bro, um, one last word that you want people to know from your book about your book as we close this thing out. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Let me first say thank you again for for allowing me this opportunity to be on your platform. And you know, if I said anything wrong, please hold it to my mind, not to my heart. We are in the middle of Ramadan and I'm about to get ready to finally eat. 
So please forgive me if I made any mistakes. Uh, I pray that the, your platform continues to grow. Uh, my book, Han- you know, Hannibal, my book In My Father's Steps is available at HannibalMuhammad.com. That's H-A-N-N-I-B-A-L.com. It's also available on iBooks and Amazon. This, this, beautiful, this beautiful testimony um, that God blessed me to put together, you know, is not just a book about, about my father, my father's but it's also a book that helps us to grow more spiritually, helps us to overcome difficulty. It helps us to be able to become more disciplined and set goals and to understand that we're going to make mistakes. It's it's a book full of love and high spirit. So it's a book that allows you to understand you're going to make a mistake. We all make a mistake, you know, and and I'll leave it like this. If you ever played basketball, you ever played football, you played any sports, you ever done anything, at some point in time, you might've lost the game. And what you wind up doing, you get frustrated, you're angry, you're, you're pissed off, but you go back and you watch the game tape, you figure out what you did wrong, you figure out how you can do better, and then you go back and you try it again the next day. That's what this book is, is to help motivate that. Mm. Beautiful. Once Beautiful. again, y'all, check it out. HannibalMuhammad.com In My Father's Steps. It's available everywhere. All right? Brother, yes. I appreciate you once again. Appreciate your time, your honesty, your candor the vibes just everything brother so uh once again y'all i hope you have been enlightened inspired and empowered by this conversation it's the socks and sandals podcast where society culture history and religion collide and we unapologetically discuss our worldviews holla at y'all next time grace and peace